Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, friends. It's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to let you know about Monkey Tennis Live. Uh, it's our first live event happening at the Prince Charles Cinema in Leicester Square in London on Thursday, November the 24th. We're going to be dissecting, celebrating and discussing Alpha Papa, the Alan Partridge film, uh, and a live podcast recording, and you're all invited. You can get details at postpoppodcasts.com slash monkey tennis. We hope as many of you can make it as possible, as well as uh, talking about Alpha Papa. We're also going to play the biggest ever game of Cards Against Alanity, and one of you will win a signed uh, on the hour box set where Alan first appeared, signed by Mr. Chris Morris. Uh, so we're very excited about that, and we hope you can make it. Postpoppodcasts.com/slash monkey tennis. That's also the place to go to check out our new merch. We've had a snazzy t shirt made, uh, and it's going to be available for a limited period only. So check it out. Postpoppodcasts.com/slash monkey tennis. This episode of Monkey Tennis is brought to you by Meteor Productions. You watched and loved Titsnade Zoo, Boob Olympics and the Eurovision Thong Contest. Now, prepare yourself for the biggest thrill ride this side of the Autobahn as we bring you Crash Bang Wallop, What a Video. Featuring Norwich media mogul Alan Partridge. You've never seen idiots driving like maniacs into Burks like this before. Monkey tennis. Damn. Monkey tennis. Love pierce my foot of his thigh. Monkey tennis. Go to London. I guarantee you'll either be mugged or not appreciated. 
Monkey tennis. Down! Monkey tennis. Uh, on the whole, a very good effort. Seven on ten. It's hotter than the sun. Back of the net. Monkey tennis. Crash! Bang! Wallop! What a podcast. Welcome to Series 2 of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Every week we take a look at a different episode of Sir Alan Gordon Partridge's work. He hasn't been knighted. Uh, my name is Adam Brooks and joining me is Tom Dark. Mine's a pint. Nick Older. Sure for Teddy. And Tom Stab. He thinks he's Rod Stewart. So we're starting with episode one of series two of I'm Alan Partridge, the talented Mr. Alan, described on the DVD menu thusly. At the petrol station, Alan bumps into his old teacher, Frank Sweaty Raphael, who once caned Alan for having a chalk penis drawn on his blazer and agrees to do a presentation at his alma mater. Uh, Before we get into the episode itself, we should talk a little bit about uh, where Alan's at in series two versus series one. Uh, Anyone want to... Kick us off. Well, essentially, he's living in a static caravan and he's had a massive mental breakdown. Yep. That's uh, pretty much what's happened. Almost, I feel like almost more's happened between series one and series two of I'm Alan Partridge than between knowing me, knowing you, and series one. Apart yeah. from that a man yeah. died then. Yeah, I think you're right, but it's uh, just it's all in the kind of the subtext and background which you, you learn more as the series continues, I they, guess. They never actually talk about what date it is or what you know, time frame sort of thing. So obviously the end of series one, that was 1997 and this went out in 2002. So that's pretty, and looking at the dates, it's pretty much exactly five years. And when you see Alan for the first time, obviously they put some prosthetics on to make him look a little bit older. And it is quite, yeah. the first time you see him, he's like, oh God, he's, he looks like he's aged. He's the oldest he's ever looked. (laughs) Do you think a lot of it is just loose skin though? Because he did put, he put put on a lot of Toblerone weight and then took it off again. Yeah, there's some slack. I, I do remember watching this episode for the first time and, just thinking that they had aged him too much. Yeah. And I still think, looking back now, there's, there's too much makeup. It looks mm. a bit ridiculous, mm. I think. Yeah. In particular, the um, so in each episode in this series, they have a little bit at the end of the credits where there's like a random quote, which is an offcut from something. Um, and I just think, so in episode one, you just have them go, see you later. If you look at that specifically, the amount of makeup and like the crow's feet they put him it's, it's ridiculous. He looks like he's about 60. <laughs> and when you contrast that with how he looks, uh, what, in Alpha Papa? He looks yeah. like 15 years younger than yeah. he does yeah. now. It, yeah. it is a bit inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, Although it does say that he he obviously does go on to say that he was repellent to women for two years. So uh, maybe <laughs> he had boobs. Just, he had, yeah. <laughs> um, so other things that, that have happened, he has, uh, he's, He's triumphed over Dave Clifton uh, at Radio Norwich in that he's now got the better slot. We'll get into that in a bit more detail yep. later on. Lynn's mum is dead. That's happened. R.I.P. Yep. Which, uh, which did make me think she's perhaps a l- slightly, only slightly, less financially dependent on Alan because uh, her, her mother's, her mother's money's coming, coming through. through. <laughs> yep. She's getting her hair done, etc. Yep. yep. Um, a couple of random bits about the series as a whole. Uh, the working title for the series was I'm Still Alan Partridge, but they are bottled mm. on calling it that. Uh, and there was an idea that they were going to set it in a former mansion that had been converted into flats with only Alan yeah. and an airline pilot living there. <laughs> I think one of the reasons they didn't go ahead with that because they realised there just wouldn't be enough other regular characters in it yeah. because no one else lives there. Yeah. It's a great comedy setup, really, isn't it? It's it's enclosed spaces. There's lots of people coming and going. It's I think out of those two choices, they clearly picked the right one. I think so. Yes. Uh, I was going to discussing the partridge aging and the makeup stuff. I actually found quite an interesting quote from Coogan, which kind of refers to this in 2013, uh, where he said, uh, "I'm surprised Alan's lasted this long. Playing him now feels different, more natural. 
He's supposed to be about 10 years older than me, but we're both middle-aged now. I'm 47. I started playing him when I was 26. Far too young to be playing a slightly old fogey character. Looking back at the old shows, it looks a bit odd. I used to wear makeup to give myself crow's feet. Now God has lavished crow's feet on me in abundance. <laughs> so at least, yeah, Coogan kind of agreeing with us there that the makeup was a bit OTT. In those series. Uh, also worth noting that he's driving a Lexus now. Uh, he's got the static caravan and he's building his own home. Yeah. He sort of has bounced back. I think so. I mean, I've got a note here saying he has bounced back to an extent. Probably not enough to write a book, though. Mm, It doesn't justify an autobiography, does it? I mean, you've got to think. He he is getting his own five-bedroomed house built from scratch. So he's got to be doing quite well. But I don't think that's from the book sales. I was going to say, it's probably a bit premature. And we can come on to this later. But where's that money coming from? Well, yeah, there is. I can't think which episode it is off the top of my head. I think it might be the one with Dan in, where he mentions as he's leaving the BP garage that he's on a six-figure income. Yeah. At local radio. Yeah, or for skirmish. (laughs) Yeah. Combine the two? Those 8,000 viewers. (laughs) (laughs) Really just pay his way. Uh, so, uh, oh, just before we get onto onto the episode proper, I feel like we all need to pay tribute in some form to the DVD menu on this yes, thing. Yes, <laughs> uh, I would say it's probably the best DVD menu of all time. It's fantastic. Yep. Uh, for those of you who are of the internet age uh, and don't have the DVD, uh, it basically, or VHS age, or VHS age, um, it's basically uh, Alan uh, doing air bass, I guess, or yeah, air guitar. Yeah. Um, and, it's a bass guitar. Yep. Uh, and uh, you can sort of revolve around him. Uh, yeah. It revolves, but he doesn't evolve. evolve. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, we, uh, there's a very short excerpt of the menu on our Facebook page, but it's pro- it might be on YouTube because it is mm. widely regarded as a very good DVD menu. So it's seek, lovely seek it out. Uh, so onto the episode itself. A strong opening. He's in a crimson polo neck. Uh, there was a bit of info in the director's commentary that they tried to dress him... Uh, they they try to get inspiration from people who wear suits all the time and therefore don't know how to dress leisurely at the weekend. Uh, so sports, bad sportswear. It, most of the clothes that he's wearing in this series, though, looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like everything that he's put in, first off, obviously isn't very stylish, but just looks uncomfortable and hot and sweaty and horrible. He seems to favour a polar neck underneath a shirt, mm, so yes. strong on the long sleeve double layers. Yep. Not something I'd go for. Uh, so he gets through an insane amount of polo necks in this series. I didn't keep an exact count, but uh, yeah, there's there's several of them. It's it's his main fashion go-to. Were they, <laughs> yeah. were they, I feel like they were never fashionable. I remember I wore, I wore one once in the 90s. I'm pretty never sure again. they were available in Foster's menswear, but let's not go over that again. <laughs> Call back to series one there. Yeah, we, we, we've done that enough. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's a good. I think it's a great opener. He's he's taking calls. Uh, he's got a, an idiot on the line who's saying, "Oh, there's lots of young boys killing a fat boy. It's not as good as Gandalf with a long beard." From that, <laughs> yeah. you would never guess the punchline, would no, you? No, no, it's very smart. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's obviously asking who's the best lord: Lord of the Dance, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Flies. Uh, and Michael Flatley takes it. I think. Who is the best lord, though? Good uh, question. Uh, I'm going rings. Mm, of those I'd three, go, of those three, I go flies. I go flies. I go flies. Sorry, Stan. So Flies wins here, but uh, Michael Flatley <laughs> yeah. won uh, the blouse wearing tycoon. <laughs> Michael Flatley. <laughs> to be honest, I don't river dance. Give exactly. Uh, I hadn't watched this series in quite a while, and obviously re-watching it um, to kind of you know swap up a little bit for this. The canned laughter jumped out at me straight away with this. I don't know if anyone has any. Everyone objection, has a objection to that, because it's not canned laughter. Canned a, laughter would be fake and added onto the audio yeah. track. It's not canned laughter, and I can tell you that because I was in the audience for some of this series, which we will get onto okay, in Okay, if you're going to be a pedant, the yep. laughter, <laughs> yep. to me, uh, was, was at odds, and I found a little bit jarring. I would agree with that, and uh, I think it just it just seems a bit 
more noticeable in this in mm. this series compared to the previous one because it is there on both. Uh, so whether it's just louder, uh, I, I don't know if that's kind of in keeping with the style of each series. So the first series seemed a little bit more fly on the wall kind of yeah. mockumentary, whereas yeah. this one is more straightforward sitcom. I mm. think. Yeah. So may, I guess maybe there was. M- and also, it was popular as well, so there were more people, probably a bigger audience, probably, yeah, just generally more people yeah. there, so it was probably more... Well, um, I, I remember um, Armando Unici having to almost kind of defend the last track on the series because it was that much more noticeable, so I have some quotes from what he said here back in 2002. Hit us with those quotes. Uh, which uh, found on the BBC website. So, uh, in interview... Uh, on with Nikki Campbell on Radio 5 Live, uh, Armando said, it's not canned laughter. We recorded it in front of a studio audience. If anything, I tried to tone it down. If Steve blows his nose, there's a round of applause. I can't say, can you not laugh at this or can you laugh a little bit less at that? The first series also had laughter as well. Um, Basically, he, he's saying we're brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this point, can I... Can anything, I, there's too much laughing. Yeah. Can I issue a formal apology as a former audience member to Armando Inucci for, laughing for, too for much. finding his sitcom funny? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll just... The rest of this says, uh, Unichi identified comparisons with The Office, which was shown prior to I'm Alan Partridge, to point out their differences. Uh, he said, if we wanted to make The Office, we would have made another series of The Office, but it's a different world. The Office is very real, whereas Alan is very grotesque. Steve calls him uber real. Uh, he is not someone we all know and can identify with in the same way you can with Brent. Maybe following on from The Office, people are expecting more of the same, but there is a last track on Blackadder Morecambe, and Morecambe and Wise. They weren't spoiled by the intrusive inclusion of a last track. It's interesting that he has to defend it because yeah, so you'd think it, that you wouldn't because it's it's funny and it's real people, so what's yeah. the issue? It was definitely the status quo back then because The Office was pretty pretty new, so you hadn't seen many sitcoms and, that were genuinely that was very hilarious yeah. 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 that didn't have... He had to defend it. it again when he was uh, in conversation with Steve Coogan for The Guardian, I think a, a year or two ago as well, where uh, one of the audience questions was, why did you choose to use canned laughter? And that guy got killed. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he was kind of possibly a little bit on the defensive off the back of the success of The Office and all the plaudits I, that I that think that's getting. it, because you have that semi-real style, but yeah, I think the office is on kind of one end of the spectrum, partridge on the other. Um, but yeah, also I just think it's I think it is much more noticeable compared to series one. So obviously it became a bit of a talking point, like back when this series first came out. Mm. Um, so then we get one of the things that uh, I, I repeats quite a bit through this series, which is Alan uh, making a joke, but then having to explain it. Flatly, my dear, I don't river dance, and he goes, "Give a no, damn, yeah, give a damn." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and then he says it's 11pm which is when you know that his slot he's been promoted he's bounced back in Mm. a way he has although across different episodes it seems that his show ends at either 11pm or midnight it's not the same time every night I was trying to work this out I think the show he's doing is 10 till midnight usually but he says it's 11pm oh that's before the credits and then after the credits it's later when he's handing over to Dave Clifton so I, I think we can assume that Alan is now doing 10 to midnight which is much better than the graveyard shift but now that means Clifton is on the graveyard shift and there is a reference to... Oh, yeah, it's Clifton's Fictional Nightclub, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I would so... definitely go to Clifton's Fictional Nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> the bar would never run out, would it? No. <laughs> well, it might do, because Clifton's drunk. Oh, yeah, days. good point. Uh, yeah, so I think we can assume that Clifton is doing midnight to 4am. God, four hours. Yeah, four <laughs> hours of radio with that man. Uh, just to go back to the laughter thing for a second, um, whilst I think it's good that, that it's, it's a live studio audience, I think that's that's better um there are a few occasions where the laugh actually drowns out the next line of dialogue yes yeah. mm-hmm. there's a bit here where um where dave replies uh, alan's saying about dave's the women in dave's fictional nightclub i can hear them i can't see them and then dave actually says yeah that's because you're not in my room 
which admittedly is not a zinger, but I had to look, I had to look it up in the script because the uh, the laughter drowned yeah. it out. I mean, maybe it's simply just the the audio mix of this series is a bit different, and they've literally just pumped it up a little bit mm. compared to what it's Because so. like. I've also I also kind of noted that that there are a few points where there are words or kind of end of lines which I didn't quite capture first time around. Or they prepare themselves for the fact that there will be applause and laughter, so they kind of stall continuing yeah. the conversation, which mm. is something you see quite a bit in sitcoms. Yeah. yeah. Also, with uh, so with with Clifton in this uh, first exchange, did anybody notice that um, there are empty takeaway cartons in front of him? I did not know. <laughs> no, I didn't either. Yes. Looks like it's some kind of Chinese takeaway. <laughs> On the, yes, uh, it and is. also he drinks some. He drinks a can of something, but you can't tell if it's beer or coke or something because he's covering it with his hand. On the commentary, they say that he is living at this point on Chinese takeaway and fizzy drinks. You are, <laughs> you're, bang, you're bang right. The smell of that room. <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. Uh, yeah, because it looked to me like he's deliberately covering the brand on the can of drink. So whether right. it was just they couldn't show a can of coke or they wanted it to be ambiguous whether it was beer that or coke. That brings up an interesting point, actually, that I was going to raise later. There are a few occasions throughout this series where Alan or somebody uh, names a brand. Yeah. And I've no- have you noticed that it seems that he deliberately mispronounces the, the name of the brand? Yeah. So that he's not actually saying the brand name, he's saying something very similar. Yeah, uh, everything but Coleman, strawberry Nesquilk. Yeah, Nesquilk. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's a couple. There's a what couple about like Lucas Aiden? Did he say Dr Pepper at one point as well? No. Uh, yes, he does. Well, well te- no, te- someone does. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I know. Uh, well, maybe jumping, there are some that they ahead, can get away with, but there are some that they have to. I did wonder. Yeah, it's either that or it's or it's a mistake. I think. Or purposefully getting it wrong for the purposes of a joke. Maybe. Possibly. We'll never know. After the exchange between Alan and uh, Clifton, we are back to the BP garage. We are. Uh, yeah, Michael is there. Can, uh, we, can we please first speculate on the circumstances um, as to how Michael got fired from the Travel Tavern? Well, he's he's obviously... Because the, the, the Travel Tavern is Linton, obviously, but this is... The BP garage is um, Norwich, isn't it? So has he... Has he, well, the, has he, has he followed unclear. Alan? Has he followed Alan, basically? Mm. I don't think he, I don't know that he's that led by Alan. I think the boring truth is that um, he probably just had a series of misdemeanors at the travel tavern, drunk for work, abusive, uh, you know, hand in the till, hand surely. in the, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe hand in the till, going behind reception. Well, we know for a, <laughs> he's not allowed to do that. <laughs> we know for a fact that he's not allowed to handle money, and I wonder if that is a, <laughs> a nod to the fact. That, but now he's working a BP garage. Well, I, I'm coming on to that, oh, so I'm, I'm thinking uh, that he was fired for hand in the till, stealing money. And that's why Alan says that he knows for a fact he's not allowed to handle money. But he's Maybe. clearly pulled the wool over British Petroleum's eyes and <laughs> is very much handling money on a day-to-day basis. This is, uh, it's, it's an interesting uh, point, though, because I was in it, before I went back to watch this series, I was thinking, is it the same BP garage that Alan visits in Series 1? It is not. It doesn't Just, look like it. No, it, it's not. Like I've, I've checked how they look. They are different. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a bit unclear in this series. Where is Alan actually living? Is he living in Norwich? Is he living in Linton? Because he did like the fact it was equidistance between Norwich and London. He's very, very anti-London in this yeah, series. Mm. He ramps it up, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a fact for later, really, but Simon Greenall, that plays Michael, actually uh, did some white-collar boxing in between episodes of Iman and Partridge. So you'll notice in a later episode that yeah. his, his nose is visibly broken. <laughs> Oh really? That's, yeah, that wow! Really and he had a black eye, which uh, which he was actually he was in the director's commentary. It's him, Peter Bainham, uh, Felicity Montague, and Armando Inucci, uh, amongst other people. And um, they uh, they basically make fun of the fact that it, that was actually a breach of contract that they let him get away with. <laughs> He's not allowed to put himself in jeopardy while filming. 
Does anybody know where the real location of this BP garage is? No. Uh, I don't. I know this is a set. The interior is a set, obviously, but I don't yeah. know where the outside is. The actual garage location is Staines Road East, uh, Sunbury on Thames, uh, opposite Kempton Park Racecourse. So we could uh, go and visit one day, maybe. Expect a pilgrimage of Partridge fans in exactly. the future. The Monkey Tennis Fan Podcast Tour. We could do that. Also, all the snacks in that garage were real, and uh, between takes, the uh, cast would eat them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> Why not? Why not if it's there? I did Saves notice that um, there are boxes of Purcell behind Michael as well, which I thought was quite an odd uh, <laughs> odd thing to have for sale in a garage. I also Anybody noticed, else think that? I also noticed above uh, the fizzy drinks, it says batteries, and there are <laughs> batteries behind Michael with uh, no signage promoting those batteries. <laughs> <laughs> They've left him in charge of display. Do you think Michael's put the wrong signs in the wrong place? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) My question to the group is: uh, Michael working behind the desk in a BP garage is this a step up or a step down for Michael versus travel? Great question. I feel at best it's a sideways move. Well, is he? Get, well, to be honest, he's got more responsibility, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah. So maybe it's yeah. a step up. Like, he's left know. in charge I've, of that place on his own a lot. Personally, so. I think it's not a promotion. It's not a demotion. It's a motion, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he has go, moved in a way. I'd go for BP over um, Linton, I think. Linton looks like quite manual labour. This looks like, you know... Sit around, street. read the paper, <laughs> chat to your mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Piper Pringles. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there's more locations in this series as well, I think, than the previous one. You've also got the BP garage, you've got Choristers, you've got the caravan and the unfinished house and the radio station are your main ports of call. Yeah. That's one more, isn't it? Mm, don't know. Slightly bigger budget. Yeah. More maybe. scope. Definitely. Definitely, Definitely more characters, more regular characters as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, I don't know where that budget went, though, apart from maybe Coogan's makeup. <laughs> I like that uh, Alan has obviously uh, encouraged Michael to stock not only his book, but also Crash Bang Wallop Water Video. Which must be um, breaching some kind of head office ruling around what they can and can't stock. Unless if he's done a deal with uh, all BP garages to stock both those items, (laughs) which I find highly unlikely. in the Norwich area. (laughs) It also hit me with a lot of nostalgia seeing Crash Bang Wallop Water Video of all of those sort of Danny Baker's own gold style VHS. Clips of idiots driving cars like maniacs into Burke. Exactly that. (laughs) Love that. Yeah. Uh, uh, they talk about in in this scene. They talk about the fact the video is selling better than the book. Uh, and Michael says they've sold three copies of the video, <laughs> which implies they've sold at most two copies of the book. But What's also, there is, there is a deleted scene from this series where <laughs> Lynn's talking to Alan, and she says, I "Spoke to the publishers yesterday, and they sold four books in the last month." <laughs> so I think do we assume that Bouncing Back has maybe sold a grand total of six copies? I would have thought so. I mean, also <laughs> they they do reveal in the final episode how many uh, how many copies are being pulped, but we'll yep. save that for yeah, later. Yeah. It's significantly more than six. Shaken Stevens gets quoted, which I believe is the first reference to a minor celebrity in this series. Uh, I believe the series correct. one was peppered with them: Sue Cook, Bill Oddie, etc., etc. Uh, yeah, but I do believe Bill Oddie does. Bill Oddie make a return. He does. He make does. A well, well, we'll come to that. Yes, we will. Certainly gets less coverage this time. Uh, I did enjoy this scene uh, when Alan's kind of asking Michael for his sales pitch, and Michael describes yeah. it as he's coming back a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Michael's always putting Alan down in like a really subtle way that yeah. like, Alan never realizes. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it's very funny. Um, some other facts from the commentary uh, just that are thrown at this point. Uh, there was a theory amongst uh, Amanda Inichi and the other writers that Michael had actually never been in the army, which I thought what? was quite good. What's he just lying about? He's just, he's just a sort or of he deranged the enthusiast. Yeah, he's the Gareth character, <laughs> yeah, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no proof, is there, at any point? 
um, the uh, the house that, that Alan is building did actually obviously become someone's house. It was genuinely being built for a person. Amazing. At the time. Yeah. Where's yeah. that? Yeah. That's what we need to know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. That's, um, that's the part of pilgrimage we mm, need to make. Yeah. Felicity Montague, who plays Lynn, tried to stop her Lynn's mum from being dead. She thought it was uh, <laughs> thought it was a step too far, too cruel. Um, and also, it's it's revealed it was her time to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's revealed in the commentary. We talked a bit in series one about how long Lynn and Alan have been acquainted when he became her PA. She she became his PA. Sorry, um, and uh, it turns out from the commentary that she used to babysit him. Uh, Lynn was Alan's babysitter at one point. Oh, one origin story. Yeah, that'd be amazing. We do need, we do need that, to get into Alan and Lynn origins. Does that yeah. work in terms of ages? That seems a bit. Seems a bit odd. Well, he was. We say in series one that we thought she was. No, he was twenty three. He was twenty three when, when in nineteen seventy seven when they were with Chris Feather. Yes, uh, I feel like the age difference is probably it can't be much. Can it? Well, she's his tireless PA. 50. Fifty. What's the biggest gap you've ever had between you and a babysitter? I don't know. The smallest idea. gap. I don't then. remember. I think. I think my youngest babysitter was probably still like f- like five or six years older than me. So what? When you were yeah, sixteen, she was. <laughs> <laughs> Off to bed, Adam. You've done me. You've done me there. Yeah, I think the ages work. <laughs> Let's just say it works because none of us can be bothered to figure it out. But that means she's seen a lot of things that... uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's got the intel. (laughs) Uh, Did anybody notice in this BP, this first BP scene, uh, that some of the camera work is a bit wobbly? Um, So again, it's kind of creating a bit of a weird semi-fly-on-the-wall documentary feel again. If, If you go back and look at this... The, ca- the camera shots aren't static. There, there is there's slight movement to them. And it's weird that some scenes have that and some scenes don't. And I don't understand why they've chosen to do it like that. No, I'm not sure. Inconsistent. Is it, is, it, is it split between... Is it the exterior scenes that are wobbly and the no, interior... No, no, this is uh, just like within the, within the garage itself. A mystery that may never be solved. Yeah, well, it, it just feels like there are points throughout the series when some of the scenes are filmed like that. And again, I think you have a few scenes like that in the first series as well. So it's always that weird mix between it trying to appear a bit like it's a fly on the wall documentary and also just a straight up sitcom. I feel. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, Michael, as you said, indirectly slates Alan. He, he wasn't very good, and he says like he'll, he'll never get back to where he was. Them days is over. Like <laughs> I'm, my accent's terrible. Sorry. Um, uh, Alan sings to himself for the first time this series. It was in every episode of series one. Uh, this time it's Enya. I wondered, uh, Dark, as a music industry veteran, whether you've got any good Enya anecdotes sail for us. Sail away, sail away. Um, <laughs> no, but she's sold a lot of records. She yeah. certainly has. She's record, got a castle, rec- hasn't she? Records or one song? Uh, record, no, she records. has sold millions yeah. and millions she of Put it this way, it. there's a reason that Tom Dark has a second phone. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Enya uh, bought it for him as a gift. Um, yes, she does own her own castle. I notice at this point, uh, Alan is wearing his own signature jacket. I do also like on the Enya thing that Alan did feel the need to clarify that he wasn't Enya, just in case anyone, anyone wasn't Not sure. Like, that from yeah. a distance, yeah. maybe. Uh, so at this point, uh, sweaty Raphael. Uh, is, khaki uh, Raphael. Khaki, and Khaki and, Raphael. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's both. His, his, his old teacher enters. Uh, the guy who plays him, Andrew Burt, is the guy who started the war in the day-to-day. Um, ah. And he also hands over the cheque to Alan in the comic relief Alan Partridge sketch. Oh, yeah. Supplementary uh, facts, he also provides, the actor Andrew Burt, provides all the uh, Radio Norwich voiceovers as well. Yep. So every, oh, yeah. I was going to drop that as a fact bomb. Uh, Damn you. I've got a further fact bomb, which is that he was also in Emmerdale at the same time as Ian Sharrock, who played Jed Maxwell in series one. Oh, crossover. Acting buddies. Brilliant. Yeah. Bosh, uh, brilliant. Another anybody, fact. Would anybody like an Enya fact, just because I've managed to get the internet working? <laughs> Go on. Go on then. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, Enya is the richest female singer with a fortune of 91 million. How? How, how old is that fact, though? That yeah. is, surely oh, no, Adele no, so has that passed is, that now. That's, two, that's the 2016 Sunday Times Rich List. So that is Britain and Ireland. Oh. But, uh, yeah. yeah. A lot of records. Anyway, mate. That's a lot crazy. Of records. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> is she Irish? <laughs> really? I feel like we're spending a lot of time on Enya. Yeah, let's move on. Save it for okay. the Enya podcast. Um, so Fra- <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> Frank Raphael, sail away with me, the Enya podcast. <laughs> no. uh, Frank Raphael, aka Sweaty Raphael, aka Khaki Raphael. Uh, it smells like a zoo. Yeah. Does anyone, I feel like I've never heard that as a put down. No, like, but I've smelt people that smell like a zoo. Absolutely. <laughs> Crusties. Uh, this, this, this made me think of... I the, have heard uh, someone's bedroom described as smelling like a farmyard as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's um, what he's going for. Yeah. The, the, it was next. The puerile <laughs> nature of the uh, of the insult, uh, the childhood insult, made me think. Can you remember any really basic, terrible insults you used to have for teachers at school? We had one whose whose surname I will oh, believe. Yeah. He never taught me, uh, but he was very sweaty and uh, like uh, like sweaty Raphael. Um, and we called him. Well, he was called uh, hideous sweaty. Insert surname. <laughs> Which seems unfair. Sweaty's bad enough. Add hideous. Hideous. <laughs> hideous sweaty. Well, you gave him the name. <laughs> I didn't yeah. come up with it. Oh, <laughs> you say oh, that now. Yeah. You enjoyed it though, didn't uh, you? Sure. Yeah. No, that's typical of the kind of the kind of nicknames people's teachers get at primary yeah. like, school. We did have a teacher at our school, and everyone's convinced that he wore a toupee, so his name was Wiggy. Oh, so that's you can pretty see, good. You can see where they where, how they Kids came up. Kids can be that. so cruel. Yeah. They really can. Anything from the private uh, sector stab? Obviously, you were kind of. Um, Educated private. The only one I can, the only one I can think of, and I won't say the teacher's name, but people just called him. Was that? <laughs> <laughs> we won't ask why. <laughs> it's probably best we leave it there. <laughs> yep. Work it out yourself. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> to be to to be clear, the <laughs> anything that was discussed, it turned out to be one hundred percent false. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> We've cleared his name, yeah, even yeah. though we haven't named yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did Mr. anybody? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did anybody think? Uh, when Kaki slash Sweaty Raphael uh, goes for the minstrels and Alan goes, yeah, <laughs> Braga Minstrel, ooh, is that a bit of a callback to all mints? I don't think it is. I just think it's, it's just a stupid gag that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, does it's he definitely think, that. Does he think minstrels are, are, are an effeminate snack then? Is that what he's trying to say? Well, I, I don't know. I just thought you've got mints. He basically does the exact same ooh for Camp David that he did previously. Mm. I think... Uh, minstrels as a genre of chocolate definitely over-index against women. Um, probably in the same camp as your Malteser, your minstrel. Revel, I feel, skews a little bit more male. Yeah, because you can play Revel Roulette, can't you? So, yeah. And that is definitely a man's yeah. game. I mean, yeah. obviously, God, yeah. on the far end of the uh, spectrum, you've got uh, your Yorkie yeah. and Double Decker. More to come from this on Pros and Confectionery, <laughs> the Nick Older's new podcast about sweets. Um, well, so, t- t- a, a lot of Partridge is quite chocolate-based, though, so it's, it's a valid discussion. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to it. We'll come back chocolate to it. vein running through Alan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's describing uh, people at the BBC, I think, and... Uh, and Frank Raphael's describing uh, the teaching profession as being full of unpleasant people. Bits of bastards. Um, I love uh, Alan's choice of swear words in front of Raphael. He could say anything now that he's, they're both grown-ups, but he chooses big balls and fanny hair. <laughs> he also tell, uh, says to Sweaty Raphael that he has the third best slot on Radio Norwich. So what do we think of the slots one well, and two? What to, are the two to best? To start with, I don't think that's true. Because there have to be at least three daytime slots that have more listeners are better. Well, I mean, I'm assuming Alan is thinking the main breakfast show and the drive time show are the two 
key slots yeah. ahead of him. Yes. And having listened to the audiobook in preparation for this, he does ram home that point at least twice <laughs> in this section that it is the third, third most best. popular. Consistent, if anything. Uh, so there's lots of relatable bits here when he's talking about uh, how he got caned for trying to allegedly drawing a chalk penis on someone's back uh that was very reminiscent to me of uh, i don't know if this is true of anyone else do you find that you sort of you end up hanging on to your school injustices a bit i got marked down for a bit of coursework once and still bitter to this day no i've let it go i've moved on no i'm still a bit bitter about the fact that um someone at my school i got in trouble for uh peeing up against a wall outside and it was not me and I'm not happy what, about what did, it. Still. What did the teacher do about that? Um, uh, just, just, kept it, just kept himself to himself. He's very quiet. Oh, dear. They often are quiet, aren't they? Yeah, they're quiet ones. I really think we should move on. Okay. Uh, I also kind of, well, I guess sort of moving on to that theme, Rolf Harris was described as bouncing back in the, this episode. Yeah. Yes, he was. He's not bouncing back now, is he? Is he? Yeah. Also, again, for, from the audiobook, uh, he also has a little bit of a chat about Jimmy Savile as well. So yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> Covering them all off. Yeah, lovely stuff. Should we uh, move, move on? on? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Frank Raphael mentions to Alan that uh, Tony Spillane came to give a talk to their sick formers. Now, I looked up a Tony Spillane online. Uh, he is the regional vice president for a payment software company, but sadly educated in Cork, not in Norwich. I just feel like if you were going to make up a, 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 a surname, why go for something like Spillane, a name that no one's ever heard of? Wouldn't you just say Tom Smith? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Tom Smith? Don't know. I've got a mate called Tom Smith. Have you? Hi, Tom. <laughs> Hi, mate. Alan, we're, shit, we're shit chatting. Alan literally. describes uh, describes Michael to Frank as the work Geordie. <laughs> I mean, he is. Yeah. At this point, Alan forces Frank Raphael to give him a talk at the school, and seven minutes in, uh, enter Lynn for the first time. Lynn's yes. back. Yep. Uh, and would everybody agree that Lynn is wearing a very snazzy cardigan? Uh, yes, yeah. And uh, he describes it as snazzy. He also describes her hair as snazzy. I was I, surprised he's opened with so many compliments. I would also describe uh, Lynn's hair as highly flammable. It looks like that would go up at <laughs> the drop of a hat. It looks like yeah. Nan's hair. It yeah. really. She, she looks bad. So yeah, there's a couple of uh, compliments towards Lynn, but it's not long before he uh, gets back to his old ways, calling her dead mum a heffalump and a big woman. Uh, <laughs> a joke that's sort of repeated in the Alpha Papa film, uh, when Cole Meany's character, Pat, uh, is talking about his uh, dead wife, saying she's with the angels. Uh, she's been lifted up to the angels now. And uh, Tim Key says, uh, a psychic Simon says, well, there must have been a lot of them. <laughs> um, Alan also says about Lynn's mum, I'm tempted to say she was big hearted, but that would be bullshit. Yeah, that got a massive great. laugh from me. That is a great line. Uh, in this scene, do you notice? So this is obviously the first time we're in a static home. Uh, there are photos of Alan, <laughs> photos of himself, on yeah. the walls. professionally taken as well. Not oh, yeah. just like they're, they're his Radio Norwich press shots, mm-hmm. basically yeah. up in his own home. Nothing of uh, Sonia, and I don't think there's anything of uh, Fernando and Denise, is there? No, of course no, not. no, of course not. Um, Lynn also seems to get less screen time this series, but more development. You know, there's uh, yeah. th- th- as we'll find out later. There's a, a man on the scene. There's the bereavement mm. of her after her mum died. I think the uh, relationship between Alan and Lynn is uh, quite different in this series, but something we can discuss over the next few episodes. I'm sure. Yep. She uh, also had a hip replacement. I forgot yeah. to mention that off her mum's money, uh, which is lucky because she's still doing Alan's heavy lifting, changing gas canisters and so on. He heard her clinking. He also says to her at some point, uh, "Oh, she's like, oh, do you need me here? Do you need me there?" He's like, "I don't need you anywhere." He absolutely yeah. does. He does. Also, what I like from this scene, this is where we learn what Lynn's salary is. It's £8,000 a year. Uh, I also looked up the average national salary for this point in time, uh, which was, in 2003, was £18,200, meaning Lynn is earning 43% of the average national salary. And we are to assume that this is a full-time job with unsociable hours and that she's on call 24-7 for hours. Yeah, absolutely. Christmas Day? 
if, if he needs needed. Her. If yep. needed. If needed. Um, if he's burned a sprout or something. Yeah. Um, we also get another glimpse at Alan's car. I've obviously jotted down the registration plate. Uh, it's a Lexus IS Saloon. Uh, and I've looked up the price and it's worth... Surely make some kind of quiz of that. Come on then. Let's quiz it out. What do you think it's worth? So, to clarify, are you talking about today's money or yes. 2000? Uh, just to call back to Series 1, when we did this with Alan's previous car, yep. that was worth £50, I think, by, <laughs> by today. Really should have bought that. Yep. So, I reckon that car is now worth about 1500 quid. Interesting. What's your uh, take? Let's go 200 For uh, a Lexus? I think it's... It's old, though, it's I, old. I think it's going to be... 3,000 I'm going for. Wow. Uh, I think Tom Dark is the closest. £545. Wow. Today's money. I'm surprised. Also, going back to talking about Lynn's uh, working hours, there's a brilliant bit in the audiobook where after Lynn's mum dies, uh, Alan gives her 36 hours off, but those 36 hours are not to be taken consecutively and have to be taken in three-hour chunks. (laughs) Flexi grief. Over the the next month. Morning breaks. Uh, uh, at this point, the builders come in. Uh, we'll be seeing a lot of them through the series. They're very cordial to Alan at this point. I would say their relationship with Alan in this series is a bit like him and Dave Clifton in the previous one, where it breaks down gradually and it's, it ebbs and flows. It's a bit it? of a shame that you see three of them at the beginning and then it kind of just sort of focuses on is it John. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, they must be sick to death of him as well. They is have it, to tolerate oh, and yeah. listen well, to I his... I enjoy him just trying to bond with them, like trying to talk about football and just saying, yeah, cool, cool, cool. He yeah. has no idea. Did you see the match? Which one? Don't don't know. Know. <laughs> was it the tallest? Was it the tallest of the three builders that you don't really see much of again? It's the t- well because yeah. I, I think there might be a reason for that because in the commentary they say that a lot of the actors, especially him, didn't realise until the night before that it was going to be in front of a live studio audience, and he had uh, quite a, a big issue with that. He, he oh, wasn't right. ready for that um, and the pressure, I think. So, so maybe that's why he didn't appear so much after after episode one, and why his career appears to have uh, stalled slightly. <laughs> I've, I've not IMDb'd him. He could be a megastar. Mm, I don't not. think he is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alan tells Lynn at this point, technically your life isn't worth insuring. Oh no, that's a brilliant, that's, sorry, I'm, the best part is just before that when he's like, uh, no offence, she's like, oh, none taken. He's like, well, you don't know yeah. what I'm going to say yet. <laughs> <laughs> then there's literally no way to not take offence to what he does say. Brilliant. Uh, around this point, uh, we find out that his girlfriend is 33, which is my age. Cashback. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, what, oh, I was going to say, was Cashback new in 2003? Is that why he's using that? Because it's like a modern reference. No, you see, I think what they've tried to do here, and this is something I have a slight issue with in this series, I think they're trying to come up with these short kind of one word or very short phrase punchlines to get kind of easy laughs. Yeah, because of the success of like, Jurassic Park. Yeah, it feels like they're just trying to recreate that Jurassic Park moment from series one. Some words, so, some for don't. example, you have things like Jack and Akinori, Back of the Net, Spice World, Cashback. And I just think some of them, you just think, why would he say that? Mm. Why would he say Spice World? That's the most ridiculous one, I think. <laughs> Quite um, good, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess equally, I agree, you, could yeah. say, you could say the same thing about when he says Jurassic Park, but... I think that that just became such a defining moment of that first series, and it just feels like it feels very much like they're trying to recreate recreate that here. Yep. Um, he then goes straight into sex talk. Uh, probably one of the most grotesque sentences of the uh, of the series is when he talks about how occasionally he does venture south <laughs> on his girlfriend Sonia. Um, a bit weird. Yeah. A bit awkward. Has any of you heard the term jemble before? The what? Say it again. Jemble. No. no, it's basically a term that's that's kind of become prominent recently for sort of 
creepy, weird men who use like a sort of medieval style language to ingratiate themselves with women and with people, you know, kind of like, oh, forsooth, my good sir, you know, all that kind of shit. Um, I wonder if Alan is the original Jembal. It sort of feels like it from this doth venture south. And also... Um, so Alan's trying to chat up the builders by... <laughs> no, but, you know, just trying to make yourself seem like like non-threatening, cutesy sort of like by using all this like weird medieval terms for things. I doth venture south and when I do, it's a breath of fresh air. So what, you could in a in a bar you could use kind of sexy medieval talk to get a woman to Well, I think I, I think I think the idea is that's what that's what Jembles try to do. I've never I've heard literally of it. never heard of that. It before. is a thing, I can I can assure you. We've all learned thing. something new today. I believe yeah, Alan Whether Partridge, we wanted to know potentially that not, the original Jemble. Uh so Sonia <laughs> enters at this point, eleven minutes into the episode. Uh, the only note that the actress was given uh, was clarity. The actress, she has got a name. Amelia Bullmore, is that right? Question, <laughs> did anyone, okay, you don't know, did anyone know her name before starting researching this? Because every time yes. she pops up in something, and she's in loads of things, she's in uh, uh, Happy Valley, Poirot, Sherlock, and every time <sighs> uh, she... What, what you, great you, shows. You've also missed three very important shows, Big Train, Brass Iron Jam. All of oh, those. Dream. Um, but every time she pops up in something new, it's always just like, oh, there's Sonia from Partridge. <laughs> and I never knew what, I never knew her name. Uh, bit uh, of background, she actually went to the Ukraine in order to train to get yes. that accent. Yep. Such I think her, her accent is good, but not much better than good. Alan. I mean, it's caricatured for comedy, isn't it? Yeah, but that's yeah. quite. Yeah. I also so think that's that the, you need. Do you to. really need to travel to the Ukraine and spend time there to do an accent which is so much of a kind of cartoonized version? If of the it, BBC yeah. are going to pay for it, and yeah, remember, Eastern holiday? Europe wasn't uh, part of Europe as it is now. Politics news there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll save it for the Brexit podcast. Political partridge. <laughs> um, she addresses the builders as builders, but everyone else by name, which are like, hello, Alan. Hello, builders. <laughs> uh, do you think, could you have a Sonia character in 2016? Do you think it would work now? Or yeah, do you think, I think it's so. obvious time? I think it could work. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure you could caricature it to quite the level they have here, but. Mm. I don't think it's, it's expensive. No, no. no. I, I mean, the main reason I ask that is I noticed, this is my fault as an audience member as much as anything, but there are laughs at her accent before she's even made a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but is that because the joke is obviously Alan's got a girlfriend and she's from Eastern Europe? That's kind of. He, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. In fact, there isn't there an episode yeah. where, <laughs> yeah, late, later in the series what, when he's British? talking to Mike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no chance, he knows yeah. he's got no chance of getting a British girlfriend, <laughs> so he's got to out, he's got to out, outsource <laughs> Eastern Europe. So Sonia tells her funny coffee story. Um, about, <laughs> I love yeah. it. My question, my question is, could that story under different circumstances told by a different person could it have been funny? Did it have the potential to be funny about what, that a man was smelly? No, it was a smelly man. Smelly he was now. a smelly man came in. I mean, I presume she well, she means a homeless person or something along those lines yeah, yeah. So a smelly man comes in and asks if they had any coffee and they pretended they didn't even though they're a coffee shop could that story have been funny or is no, it I'm I don't think so. no I don't think yeah. so no. I, think it, I think in the right hands it might have been mildly humorous but Sonia has, has extracted all the funny out of it which is uh, similar to one of our iTunes reviews <laughs> <laughs> can't really argue with it to be fair so no, to write. This is when Alan uses uh, another great line. Guess which one of you ladies I'm going to make love to now. Uh, yeah. Lynn looks horrified, but is it because it's bawdy <laughs> or is it because she wishes it was her? No, I think, well, first off, it's obviously offensive. Uh, we it's touched, very offensive, yeah. We, we touched on series one that there might have been something there between Lynn and uh, Alan. I feel by this point she has moved on. She's yes. still with, she's still happy to, you know, work with Alan, but any affection... Uh, like that has very much been rescinded, and as we know, she uh, she has a love interest towards the end of the series, so exactly. she's on the prowl. Yeah, 
And is it possible that Lynn hates Sonia anyway? So it's just the mere yeah. idea of Alan and Sonia being a partnership. I don't, I don't know. But maybe she's also buoyed by the fact that she has got her mum's money. It's a new chapter. She's moving on. She, so. Hang on. She's, she's bounced, bounced back. Bounced back. Yes. Maybe that's the joke. Ah, interesting. Oh, wow. Have we uncovered something here? I mean, it's about time we did, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so Alan to Sonia, let's be appalling. Uh, and then there's a great visual <laughs> gag where he uh, sticks his head out the, yeah, the his caravan face. window. <laughs> His face when he ducks out of the window is just ridiculous. <laughs> Taking off his trousers as yeah. he goes. Uh, also, we learn that he likes to shower before and after sex. Very important. Nice. Very hygienic, Alan. Yep. Well done. Yep, he does get clammy. Um, I think we move to choristers at this point, don't we? Uh, we do. I was just going to quickly check, because this was the first scene we had all three builders in, without referring to any notes or any internet, can you name all three builders? No. No. One. Any, one. Would anybody like to give it a go? John. Just John. John. Yep, we've got John. Dan. No. Mike. Keith. No. Leave. <laughs> no. This is great. We're just saying names. Just saying names. Uh, so the three builders are John, Tony. Carl, Carl, and Ditch. 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 <laughs> that is a thing. We did. We, we never hear Ditch. We do hear Carl, to be fair. Yeah, Carl yeah. features a bit I don't think we ever hear the name episode. Ditch, do we? When's Ditch? Where do you get that from? Uh... The scripts. Uh, it's enough. It, I don't, I've not made it up. I've done my research. <laughs> I'm not saying made up. Why are you saying made up? <laughs> one of Shall stars. we go to Choristers? Yes, we're yes. at Choristers now. Uh, Stephen Taylor is the manager of Choristers. There is a Stephen Taylor in real life who is a chorister at Eaton Choral Choruses. Oh. Yep. Also, from the audiobook, did you know that there are three other choristers in the franchise? Get out of town. <laughs> There's one in Bristol, your hometown, town, Adam. Uh, Chester and Stansted Airport. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. The best of all the airports there. Uh, So Lynn and the lady from Meteor Video, it seems to have been sitting in silence for some time waiting for Alan to arrive. Yeah, it doesn't look like uh, there's been great small talk happening there. It just looks like it's all been quite But uh, there's no great small talk when he gets there as well, because Uh, he's had to have a shower. He gets a bit clammy. (laughs) (laughs) And did you notice when uh, when Alan arrives, uh, it looks like Lynn is expecting a kiss from him, and she looks genuinely miffed when she doesn't get it. And grimaces at the clammy clammy bit. (laughs) Also, Alan's clearly walked in, seen little Todd with his jeans, and thought, no, I'm not having that. That, He's got to go. He's going. Um, What, Todd? Seriously. There's there's some question about uh, the motive behind Lynn's next line when she's talking to the meteor uh, lady and saying, oh, yes, panic attacks have all but stopped. Um, (laughs) There's some chat on the commentary about whether she's doing this out of any malice or not. I think think she almost definitely is because he's just embarrassed her. But Armando says that he thinks that she's actually doing it from a place of pride. She's she's proud that Alan's overcome yeah, his yeah. panic Yeah, I, I think that seems more like a Lynn action to me, that she kind of thinks it's good to tell people that he's not having panic attacks anymore instead of just not mentioning it at all. Mm. Can we just go back to Todd for a second? <laughs> Small chap. Small chap of about six. Wearing jeans. Um, he does say in the audiobook that after several years of lobbying, he managed to get children banned <laughs> entirely, although there is a heated outhouse for children with a light and running water. Brilliant. <laughs> A shed, a shed for kids. Uh, Choristers is based on a country club near Guildford. Um, Steve Coogan used to go there. Apparently, uh, he once, or he went there once. And he had a cap on in the bar, and uh, somebody just said, uh, apropos nothing, hats off in the bar. No, no, excuse me, sir. No, like, uh, no, no politeness. Just hats off in the bar. Uh, did anybody enjoy Alan's tie in this scene, by the way? Ooh, don't think I noticed. Very snazzy pattern. It looks to me like it's snakes and ladders. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. That is a good tie right yeah. there. Classic dad tie, that. Yeah. Uh, at this point, we have water sports explained to Alan and Lynn. This is quite a risky gag to include, I think, in a, in a mainstream comedy. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure I've 
<laughs> seen many gags along this these lines. But yeah, yeah. But, but Adam, what, what's water sports? Uh, it's when someone pisses and shits on you. <laughs> I don't think it's shit, is it? It's just, it's just the one, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's we've no, all got the internet. There's here. no experts yeah. around this table. Uh, it seems. Either way, it's disgusting. I think yeah. what, one of those options disgusting. is more watery than the other. That's true. So... Well, I don't, it depends what you think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the water sports joke is one that grew out of uh, improv. Um, and uh, I was, I was going to ask: Do you think there's a, a percentage, a large percentage of the audience that learned what water sports was from this show? It's but become, this, it's become an educational possibly, maybe. Tool. But this, this was broadcast when the internet wasn't really much of a thing. You didn't have iPads and iPhones, so you wouldn't just mm. jump straight on the internet. Very and go, true. Google water sports to see what comes up. Um, question: You, uh, Tom, and Adam, you've um, for the research for this gone back over the commentaries. Do they talk yeah. at any point about how much of this series and script is improvised because you just mentioned that that came out of it, uh, of it being improvised. Do they ever reference that it, this this part was improvised or how much of it was improvised? They, no, I don't think they kind of really break it down scene by scene like that. But right. I, the impression I got is I think they had a basic script, but then they also yeah. workshopped improvisations around it as well. Okay, which I, I think you also feel I think like that's kind of what happened in the first series. As okay, well. yeah. Um, I noticed at this point that I I reckon I would describe Alan's hair at this point as a mullet. <laughs> yeah, it's, very uh, if, if you if you go back and look at this chorister scene, it is it's it's very much party at the back, business at front. <laughs> Classic Alan. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, then you get a couple of uh, sample names of the Meteor Video Productions. Pitsnade Zoo is probably my favourite. Yeah, that is brilliant. <laughs> also, she's clutching um, like a handful of uh, VHS tapes, which look massive and rubbish for one. But also, is she just like got? softcore porn in choristers just on display what if little you're Todd... allowed that but not jeans <laughs> exactly what about little Todd? very very strange um uh, one thing i know it's just a general point um is that there's a lot more mancunian uh in alan's accent or in steve's accent if you mm. like this mm. episode than, than in the previous series so i wonder if everyone is a bit closer to their real selves lynn perhaps think... looks a little younger than she did in series one as well yeah, that's a good point yeah. I, yeah. I think i think you find coogan does slip into a bit more of a Mancunian accent at times in this series. Sometimes you spot it a bit. Oh, shortly afterwards, they're, they're negotiating on fee. Uh, well, trying he's trying to negotiate. He's no, negotiating on his own. A dreadful negotiator. Yeah. And then she completely outmanoeuvres him. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's got outmanoeuvred no by the director of Meteor Videos. <laughs> um, so uh, they're out in the car and uh, he has a minor crash. He hits the bollard. Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're jumping ahead. Oh, you missed that line where uh, it's just a kind of little throwaway comment that he has to say that he needs to get his head together. Let's go and get a couple of Soleros. <laughs> <laughs> You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, so they've had a crash. The um, airbags have exploded uh, in Lynn and Alan's face. Yep. Um, I was trying to work out what he said as he hit the bollard because it's not in the script. He sort of goes, <laughs> like uh, yeah, I, it, it's an indiscernible word, basically, isn't it? Yeah. And even at this point, it's not enough to just say to Lynn, are you OK? He needs to criticise the way that she was sad before she's uh, uh, her airbag kind of exploded in her face. And um, he's then shouting at her to calm down, which I thought was quite similar to his attempts to relax people. Exactly. In, uh, let's go. He says, calm down, calm down, calm down. It, like with increasingly suffering from minor women's whiplash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Felicity Montague did get neck pain from multiple takes of that scene, so he actually did give <laughs> again her women's whiplash. Cut. You were uh, leaning forwards with your handbag like that, crushing like a mouse. I've, I've, it's always he's always calling her something mousy. Yeah. Basically, I've just checked every ruddy word, so I do yeah. know what those words are. When he hits the airbag, mm-hmm. he says, "Into me." <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. Your airbag went off. Why didn't mine? Uh, I'm all right. Not are you okay? I'm all. I'm all right. Uh. You also know that he's not really interested in taking Lynn to the hospital. No. He's just going to drive to get a couple of Soleros <laughs> and renegotiate his fee yeah. or accept the fee that was already yeah. on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about 20 minutes into this episode, Lynn's mistaken for his wife again, which is a recurring... Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's yep. brilliant. Yep. Um, and uh, I believe we're now, uh, we're now at school, uh, where he bumps into old schoolmate, not really a mate, uh, Phil Wiley, um, who uh, he then has a sort of argument with about who's having a better life. <laughs> it's a passive-aggressive exchange about who's it doing is. better than... But yeah. it seems like um, Phil just kind of isn't really bothered by it, whereas Alan is genuinely trying to outdo him. Yeah. And he's yeah. like... Pff. I've got a wife. Absolutely. <laughs> That's just what's happened in my life. I'm not trying to outdo you. I'm just married. <laughs> yeah. It's just what's happened. It's just what's happened. Um, uh, I have a question about this scene. Uh, so Lynn is with Alan and she has a massive scarf on. Now, is that scarf hiding some kind of neck brace? Because it looks massive and a bit weird. It, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's they never actually reference been, it. That would have been episode. funny if Lynn was a, ne- a neck, brace. neck brace. That would have actually been really funny. Yeah. Mm. I'd say if, if you look at the scarf, it just looks a bit strange. So I wonder if there was a bit more... A development in the story that didn't make it to the final edit, perhaps. Quite possibly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll he's, never know. He's giving his speech to the class. Uh, amongst that, he manages to reveal that Fernando has uh, was privately educated, very much the Tom Stab of Alan Partridge. Hello, uh, <laughs> yeah. and that UK Conquest has eight thousand viewers. So it seems unlikely that that's behind his six-figure salary. Uh, whilst I also appreciate that the kids are clearly actors, they do look visibly bored. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, another thing that comes up at this point is that uh, he announces to the class his frustration at having been caned for uh, allegedly drawing a chalk penis on his own back, saying that it's impossible. Uh, so we're going to put that to the test now, don some uh, temporary t-shirts and try and draw chalk penises on our own backs. Obviously, this visual gag is podcast gold, so uh, do bear with us, but we're going to put a picture of all of them up on the social media and we would love to know who you think did the best job of it. Let's find out. Okay, so we've now got our matching t-shirts and pieces of chalk ready. We're all going to try and attempt to draw a chalk penis on our own backs, starting with Nick Older. Let's see how he gets on. Oh, he started quite low on the back. Uh, he's done the first ball. Oh, it's it's not bad. I mean, the second ball has, has gone right off to the side. It looks... Uh, wow. 
it's all it's all gone horrible. It was doing quite well, but it's gone very wrong. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to Tom Stab. Tom Stab having a go now. He's hopefully learned from some of Nick's mistakes, of which there were many. Uh, he's struggling to get purchase on the t-shirt. Okay, he's he's begun. It's uh, I noticed they're all veering they're all veering off to the right. Uh, okay, he's just completing the second ball. No, it's, it seems to be wearing a hat, and I think it's it's been shot. <laughs> On to Tom Dark. Tom Dark's now doing the third one. Uh, we will obviously put all of these on the social media, uh, our social networks on Twitter, at the Partridge Pod and Facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod. Uh, Tom Dark has now finished his. It's terrible. Um, I'll pass the mic over and I'll do my own. Okay. Right, Adam, let's see what you can do. It's a confident start. It is. Oh, it's quite low down. He has practiced. He has practiced. Oh, no, maybe he hasn't. Right, well, we'll, uh, we'll post the results of those on our Facebook and our Twitter page. Uh, I don't think the results are good for any of us, to be honest. Okay, so uh, thank you very much to Connor J. Ford on Facebook for suggesting that uh, chalk penis challenge. Um, we look forward to finding out who the winner is or loser. I mean, we're all losers. If you win, if you win that, you've, you've still lost in a way, haven't you? Really? <laughs> yeah, n- none of us are winning. But uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we'll post. Uh, we've got a bit of a video of that, and we'll also post photos of all of our t-shirts and um, leave a comment and vote for the best t-shirt. Um, the crash bang wallop what a video video obviously shows Alan at his most grotesque um, and he's obviously it's in the intervening years where he's put on a lot of weight, been on a Toblerone binge. Um, uh, More importantly than all of that. It cuts to obviously the shot of the TV. Did anyone clock what the brand of TV was? No. no. It falls into the budget category of uh, TVs that we were chuckling about in series one. Not Alba. Well, that was stereo, it, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but you know, yeah. it's an umbrella, umbrella term for technology. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. But there was one that we missed, and it's this brand of TV. Sonyo? Sonyo? Sonyo. Put us out of our misery. Any any more guesses? Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit of backstory here. Adam once owned a Polaroid uh, television once. made by He's Polaroid. Still got it. Still got it's it. In Bristol. <laughs> Ten years faithful service. That's given me. Well, fair enough. <laughs> Matsui. Oh, lovely <laughs> Matsui. Oh, I forgot about Matsui. I used to have a Matsui TV. Two thousand and two. I hadn't forgot about it. <laughs> um, for this, and I think in the series in general, that Steve initially didn't look old enough. They had they put aging stuff on him, and they had to keep adding more and more, um, which is perhaps and why he's well as think, discussed. Yeah. Perhaps they added too much. Exactly. Um, there's a lot of good names in the Crash Bang Wallet Porter video credits. Uh, my personal favourite is Bunty Levert, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then obviously that talk goes horrifically wrong um he ends up being reprimanded by his old old headmaster that scene was almost cut actually where uh frank Raphael's getting in a strop with him i th- yeah i think you could lose and yeah we were talking about those little throwaway gags that uh that they seem to pepper this series with and mm. this one is probably the one that gets the biggest laugh i think that see you in strasbourg <laughs> yeah it does get a, quite a big laugh on the uh, and the uh, well, I wish well ar- arguably uh slightly earlier in this uh alan being at the school you've got back of the net which is still yeah. one of those very short, impactful phrases, but I think I'll allow that one. That one's good. Back of the net has actually sort of become one it's of the most on popular ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you think back of the net is the monkey tennis of this series? Mm. I, I think it probably is. 
Could we have called it Back of the Net, the Alan? Well, I think we probably could, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. could have done. We'd yeah. have got more football subscribers, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, people have got confused. Uh, Frank point. Raphael saying, I wish you sweated over your work like I sweated over mine. Alan doesn't because he uses Lynx Africa, which yes. I thought was a lovely touch. The first mention of Lynx Africa in the series, but not, not the, the only one. I assume we all used Lynx Africa at one point in our Oh, lives. God, yeah. I, I yeah. regularly used Lynx for quite yeah. a while, which I'm ashamed of saying. used. Oh, is anyone, is anyone still using Lynx deodorant around the table? No. no. Although they are although, going through uh, a big rebrand at the moment. Are they? Um, although, Nick, don't you uh, favour a woman's deodorant normally anyway? I did go through a phase of using women's deodorant. Dove is superb. And then they brought out a range for men, which I discovered when we were living together in Tooting and genuinely I've never broken from. I think that's been about seven years now. Although, uh, you just said <laughs> last week they changed, uh, they updated the flavour. or Flavour? <laughs> Or musk, whatever you want to call it. The, the, scent. The, 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 yeah, the scent. Uh, it's not as good anymore. I'll still buy it, though. <laughs> he is or, brand loyal. More, you, news, you, more you, news on Nick's hygiene routine <laughs> as it breaks. Well, to be honest, Nick, you've just talked about Dove deodorant for about a minute, so hopefully they'll send you some. Yep. Lifetime supply. So. Please do. Uh, there was a line in this scene that was cut uh, where Frank Raphael says, uh, there's nothing wrong with the 1900s, and then Alan says, yes, there is. It was ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good gag. Yeah. That is a really good gag. Um, I think we're then back in the BP garage, yeah, uh, where there's an yeah. implication that Michael's already assaulted yeah. a customer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he's he, been told. He's been yeah. told he's not allowed to fight. I've been told. <laughs> yep. Uh, he also uh, has a conversation about Beachy Head with uh, with Alan, where he mistakes uh, Starbucks on Beachy or Starbucks as the suicide hotspot yeah. rather than Beachy Head. <laughs> Very funny. Um, uh, this... he, call, he calls Michael a chicken again in this scene, doesn't he? Uh, oh, like he did in series one. Yeah. Yeah, um, chicken stock. Chicken stock. <laughs> um, this is uh, the point where the uh, oh, the, t- the the teacher the Phil Phil, Phil comes back in. Quick, Phil, before Phil's we back. get onto the arena of conflict, uh, quick thing: the actor playing Phil uh, came back every week to do minor reshoots, uh, but sometimes just for a drink, which, according to the people on the commentary, was a bit weird for the regulars. What? Hang on, what? what? Say that again. Hey? What do you so, mean? What, he, he just come and like hang out on set? I, I got the impression it was a bit of a sort of, you know, David Brent and his dog coming back to the office trying <laughs> oh, to get a meeting wow. situation, which is a bit odd. Also a bit odd that they would happily say that on the public he was commentary. Also, he was a big character in Coronation Street, so it wasn't as if he went on to do nothing. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. Unless if maybe they were saying that and it was some kind of in-joke or something. Mm. Maybe. We'll never, never know the truth. Very odd. Uh, yes, so this is the point where there's a conflict brewing and... Uh, Alan's weapon mm. of choice is an apple pie. I believe we should point to uh, apple pie specialist Tom Stab for a bit more information about our research in that area. That's right. Uh, as uh, people will have seen from the socials we put it out, um, I did the apple pie, I guess apple pie Alan test, really, which was to see whether mm. it is indeed hotter than the sun when you heat an apple pie in the microwave for eight minutes. And Tom, the question is, is it hotter than the sun? Well, unfortunately it's not. Yeah. I mean, you can see all the details in the video, so check it out. We've put it on our um, on our uh, Facebook. That's uh, the Partridge Pod on Facebook. Um, Alan actually says one thing that I don't mention in the video, that he says the temperature inside the apple pie is 1,000 degrees. How does he know that? I mean, it's not even that. It gets to about 250, as you'll see from the video. But, um, yeah, so he says it's about 1,000 degrees, and, and either way, <laughs> one of us is going down. <laughs> the thing is, 1,000 degrees. How hot does the sun get? I think it's more than that. It's 5,504 Celsius. Right, yeah. Okay. And also, you'll, you'll see, you may see from the video, I did have to do that experiment twice because the first time I panicked after it set off my fire alarm in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Going to great lengths to get to the truth for you, the loyal Monkey Tennis yes, listener. We do this for you guys. Um, he's got a few terrible insults uh, in this uh, in this scene. He uh, starts insulting uh, the teacher with Twix up the bum. 
Um, we also find out he'd have to break into another packet and he's not willing to do that exactly yeah but then he realises that he has got a radio show to present so he has to make nice and I think he ends up offering him £200 doesn't he just to get out just to go away or a cheque for 230 yeah (laughs) the other thing that's worth mentioning before we get to the credits of this episode is the fact that Lynn clearly doesn't know what a penis looks like uh, you see what she's drawn on his back, and as Alan says, it looks like a mouse's head. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's a bit of backstory about Lynn on the commentary that might uh, help to explain this. Uh, they say that she... These are some facts about Lynn that I learned. Uh, she once got drunk on brandy. She only ever saw her father's genitalia. <laughs> uh, and he, he once caught her wearing makeup and threw a bucket of water over her face. <laughs> Uh, and during Alan's uh, breakdown between the two uh, the two series, she found him in the bath and had to break in. <laughs> there we go. Oh, Lynn's had it tough. Uh, so now we come to the credits, which I believe are uh, they double as Meteor Films Scum on the Run. Um, <laughs> yes. So he got his way with the title because earlier on he suggested Scum on the Run. Uh, yep. We didn't hear if they'd gone for it, but they have. Uh, the crash test airbag bit at the end is not only a bit creepy, it goes on but for ages as it well. Is yeah. Very weird. It yeah. looks very much like Coogan rather than Alan. The reaction, I thought, there didn't seem like there was a lot of acting happening in that it's, part. It's a bit odd. It's not adding a great deal, is it? Yeah. Um, the actress that played the policewoman uh, taking down Ooh, his the, the the sexy WPC. Right. Yeah. She uh, she went on to win an international modelling contract mm, off the back of that. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, doubt, I doubt that featured on the show really. Oh, okay. uh, a couple of other little bits about this episode uh, or at the end of all the, all of the credits of this series there's a bbc.co.uk slash partridge URL that has now died <laughs> <laughs> you'll get no facts for that. Uh, anything else on this episode? yeah um, did any, has anyone else noted the um, IMDB scores of uh, the episodes in this series. No, I, have, I haven't looked at that. I've, no. I've done for this one. This um, this 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 average is an eight point three out of ten on IMDb, which is the joint lowest for this uh, wow. for this episode. So I guess the question is, what does everyone think of this episode in general as I, a start to the series? I genuinely think this is one of the be- uh, one of the best. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, yeah. I, I think like the first up, series right? of uh, first episode of series one, there's a lot of reintroducing to do, and I think they do it in a very natural way. Mm. Um, it was a couple of other facts as well. It was broadcast originally on the 11th of November 2002, and mm-hmm. its rating was 15. Mm. Probably because of the water sports. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty much it for episode one of series two. Of I'm Alan Partridge and of Monkey Tennis. Uh, but we, before we go, we're going to play a quick game of Cards Against Alanity. If everyone can gather their cards. The way this works is that we have a number of phrases from the second series of I'm Alan Partridge. Each episode I read out an incomplete sentence. We try and complete it as best we can, and producer Jed is going to ping his bell, which sounds like this, when he hears his favourite. The winner of last series was Nick, so there's everything to play for. Uh, So this time, the phrase that you'll be completing is, Occasionally, I dost venture south, and let me tell you, when I do, it's like blank. So we'll give everybody a few seconds to pick out the best that they've got. Uh, I'll pass them over to Jed. Uh... There we go. It's tough. It's very tough. Oh, I picked the wrong one. Oh, you oh can I it. change? No, no it's, too late, now, it. oh. it's too late now, Nick. Yeah. As last season's victor, you should know better. <laughs> okay, really got to press you for a decision, uh, Tom Dark. Uh, dead air is a crime. No okay. dead air. Everything uh, is has, good. Jed, have you had a good look at them all? Okay, so let me read them out one by one. Occasionally, I dost venture south, and let me tell you, when I do, it's like splashdown for Lynn. Occasionally, <laughs> occasionally I dust venture south and let me tell you when I do it's like Lynx Africa occasionally I dust venture south and let me tell you when I do it's like a Dr Pepper from the cooler 
Occasionally, I dust venture south, and let me tell you, when I do, it's like ten firemen or a dozen policemen. Yes! <laughs> I'm in the lead! Tom Dark's the first Woo. winner. So, that's Cards Against Alanity, and that's this episode of Monkey Tennis. Join us next week when we're going to be talking about the colour of Alan. Alan really is on the up, but Dante's fire is just around the corner. Um, oh, yeah. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at the Partridge Pod, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod, and gmail, uh, it's thepartridgepod at gmail.com. Uh, from all of us, thanks so much for listening again, and we will see you next week. From Monkey Tennis, goodbye! Goodbye! Woo. Monkey Tennis is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. The artwork's by Dave McNamara, and the theme is an excerpt of the Black Beauty theme, Galloping Home, by Dennis King. To find out more about the records and podcasts made by Post-Pop, head to postpoprecords.com. Monkey tennis? Monkey tennis? Monkey tennis? Go to London, I guarantee you'll either be mugged or not appreciated. Monkey tennis? Monkey tennis? Uh, On the whole, a very good effort. Seven on ten. It's hotter than the sun! Back of the net. Monkey tennis? Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.